Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter, verses 4 through 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved with you. I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In my decade or so of ministry, I have been honored and privileged to be asked to join in two baptisms in the river. Both I was serving in Corvallis, so that's the Willamette River, if you're keeping track of what river it might be on. Both were two adults, one to a teenager, actually, um, and one to an adult man who had never been baptized and who yearned to be baptized. And both of these individuals had come to me wanting to be baptized in the river. And so my senior pastor at the time and I discussed this and we talked about, yes, of course, we will do river baptisms, even though, you know, that's not a huge part of our tradition. Although I know at Portsmouth Union, we are big into immersion baptism, not fully placing ourselves in the water. But in that church, in that tradition, it was much more of a sprinkling tradition, as we call it, especially with younger um, babies. And so these two that asked to be baptized in the river, it was a it was a new thing for me as a young pastor as well. And the first time that we did a river baptism, we set out in the morning to the Willamette and um both Jim, Pastor Jim, my senior pastor, and I had layers of clothing on. We both had like pants that we didn't mind getting totally submersed. And I think I even added like long underwear underneath. And we both had um, shirts that were quick dry and then fleeces on that. And then we put our robes on top of all of this garb and our stoles that we didn't mind to go in the river. And we did all of the liturgy out on the sand bank of the river and then we waded into the river. I have never been so cold in my life. And I think this was probably in like May. Like we didn't even choose a summer month. So we waded into the river and after the shock of the amazingly cool water settled in, we stood there with Jesse, the one to be baptized and we had our own ceremony around that we asked him the questions that we had asked on the sandbank again and then both of us took each side of him and we lowered him into the river once twice 
three times. Creator, Son, Spirit. And each time he emerged with a gasp, mainly because it was so cold, but that full rush of water over him. And he came out of the river, and then we ran out of the river into towels and blankets and hugs and warmth and cups of, I think we had coffee and tea and hot chocolate. But it was an amazing morning. The second time that I was asked to be in this same river, I had warned Frank, who wanted to be baptized, it was going to be cold. And I think we picked a summer day, but if you have been in Oregon, in the valley, you know that water never gets quite warm enough. And so we layered up and it was just me and Frank and his family and his fiance. And we were on the bank again and we talked of this liturgy and then we prayed over the water we outstretched our hands and then frank and i waded into the water and again there was this gasp as we waded into the cold cold water and out into the depths and i said are you ready and he said yes i'm ready and one two three times he went into the river and out and each time i was like And then we came out of the river and we ran out into hugs and blankets and towels and hot beverages again and celebrated. What struck me in both of those stories and what struck me in our story today is that in all of these things, the common denominator is that the river, the water actually meets us and rises up. There's so many things to talk about in this Mark passage. First of all, this is Mark's debut of Jesus. We are heard that he's born, but then in verse four, so immediately after announcing that Jesus would come, there's no birth narrative in Mark. This is Mark's birth narrative. But in Mark, this announcement of baptism, this debut of Jesus' ministry after so much time of Jesus preparing for this time, decades of him preparing and learning and praying and observing has come to this particular moment of baptism. And we know the character of John from Mark. Mark gets right to things. Mark is the first gospel in what we call the synoptic gospels, which I know Jules and Andy talked about before. Mark sets the tone for so many other gospels. In all four gospels, there is a baptism, though, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in Mark, it's the first one, and it sets up the story for all that is to come. So in Mark 1, this foundational piece of the baptism, Jesus comes to John, and baptism in that context, let's put a little bit of context around it, baptism could have been one of two things. It was in the Jewish tradition that emerging oneself into the water and out was a rite of purification. And you would do this over and over again to purify and sanctify yourself. And so if you were a woman, after you had had your cycle, you might be going to purification. If you had had a child, you would need to go through the rites of purification. If you had sinned in some way, you would need to go through the rites of purification. This was a constant ritual. But for this case, there's another meaning in which it would have been a one-time thing in which you were labeled as part of God's community. And that's what John is setting up, this new kind of context, this new kind of character of baptism and what Jesus is buying into, a once in a lifetime moment in which God claims you as part of the fold 
and this is kind of a break from the purification rites. It's a break from the re-cleansing because it doesn't mean that anymore. This water is kind of a dip into what was chaotic that God has created as being productive and creative. And so by Jesus coming to the waters to be baptized, since we know that he was divine and good, it wouldn't have been an acknowledgement of like a sinful nature to be purified. But by that voice claiming the beloved, by that voice breaking from the clouds, it does re-signify that Jesus is already part of God's creative plan. And by us stepping into that baptism, we also are saying that God has already created a community that we are claimed by. It's not erasing what was the image of original sin, which was a creation by Augustine to legitimize a sinful nature. It was actually then a baptism is a claiming claiming of the creator's goodness that is offered to us. And actually our traditions acknowledge baptism to be acknowledging part of God's goodness, God's community already put before us. So now that we have that, now that we know that Mark's birth narrative is this newness, this new creation coming out of the waters. What strikes me differently this time in reading it is that um, Jesus is met by the river. And so in a lot of medieval depictions of this scene, the river is like at waist high of Jesus. I think trying to create a little bit of modesty, although the river in some of these depictions is see-through, you can Google it. You can put in medieval Jesus baptism paintings. But in each place, the river meets Jesus. And as Jesus is lowered into the river, as we baptize into the river, the river almost cradles us. It doesn't necessarily overwhelm us. But it transforms us into something to be lived into. Jan Richardson, who's a theologian, talks about this as well. She's also an artist. And she says, Jesus, who has been, who knows where for something like three decades, discerning and preparing, he is ready to fling himself into the work, work awaiting him. And yet not ready. He needs something, a river, a ritual, a recognition. You are my son, the beloved. He hears as he comes up from the waters, drenched from the Jordan. With you, I am well pleased. Jesus needs this moment as a new beginning. He needs the river meeting him in order to gain that nudge into the work that is to come. The waters themselves represent a new beginning into what the creator is offering us. She goes on to say that medieval Artist often painted the river rising to meet the naked Messiah, surging up to enfold him, arcing around his waist. At times, however, the rising of the river seems to be for nothing but pure joy, the creation reaching out to meet and enfold Christ, the God who has become intimately, incarnately intertwined with the world, leaping like John the Baptist did. There are times when our lives rise up to claim us. Occasions when that which we were born to be leaps up to envelope us. Something calls our name, reminds us we are blessed and beloved, baptizes us and sends us forth. That river meeting us isn't just a new beginning. It's actually a new creation. It's something that nudges us into being. 
It's something that energizes us and reminds us of the creation unfolding and enveloping us. Marcus Borg talks about this ritual immersion into water and how this once only ritual, while it may be purification, its primary meaning is it's the initiation ritual that begins us to compelling into new work. Paul Galbraith writes that the enduring power of baptism is not limited to a moment in time. Instead, the baptismal waters trace across the arc of our lives to mark us as God's own. Over and over again, we're reminded that the waters are the creation nudging us as well as holding us into what may be. This week was a hard week to watch the news, to be part of a culture that might continue to create and affirm white supremacy and racism. It was a hard week for those of us to watch our capital engulfed in a different kind of rage and creation. It was a difficult week to be reminded that our America is full of betrayal and lies, white supremacy, whiteness, and racism. And so it was a hard week to think about how to preach something about our baptism. What do we do when the world around us seems the same? The empire around us seems stifling, that it doesn't seem like we can change, even though the new creation is right before us. The new year is right before us. Well, we as people of God, who are starting to wade into the river, need to acknowledge the world around us. Jesus actually enters into the river, not as a child, but as an adult who is confronted with an empire that is trying to stifle God's people. Kings and those around him trying to actually snuff out justice. He's actually wading into a river in which when he was a child, when Herod was confronted with true justice and true kingdom, wiped out an entire population, an entire generation when threatened, cause destruction. In some ways, we know what it feels like to wade into the river in the midst of destruction happening around us. And yet when Jesus comes out of those waters that meet him, he hears the voice of beloved, which gives him the strength and the courage and the power to start flipping the kingdom upside down. We are named and claimed, friends. This morning, as we come out of creation, as we're reminded of who we are, we are called beloved because we have work to do. You may not remember your baptism. If you're like me, I was a baby when I was baptized. I don't have a memory of my baptism, but I have been present to baptism I have baptized, and by each time that I touch the waters and remember what it means to be baptized, I remember my baptism, and I remember that I am beloved, and I am nudged to the work that is to come. You are beloved. 
you have been baptized by God's great creation. You are called to go and be and do representing that new creation. So friends, I have a couple of questions for you this morning that you may want to ponder. Do you remember your baptism? Some of us remember our baptism. Some of us were old enough to remember. But if you weren't, how can you remember? How can you hearken back to the waters? What do you do to remember your baptism? And how is God reminding you that you are, in fact, beloved? That God is well pleased with you? And that means our work is just beginning. Where is the river meeting you? So friends, go in peace. May the love of God surround you and compel you into the world. May you be surrounded by God's great creation in order to turn the world upside down. In name of creator, redeemer, and sustainer, amen and amen. Peace be with you.